God has described himself to us through his word as a God of grace and the God of truth. And this perfect God of grace and truth, full of grace, full of truth, this perfect God created. And he created a perfect creation. Now, by the way, in September, we're going to be doing a series on the seven days of creation, and it's going to be called Origins. That's going to be in September. I hope you'll be a part of that. It's going to be a good series. But God created this perfect creation, and in that were perfect relationships. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God, which means they had a perfect relationship with grace and truth. That's God. They also had a perfect relationship with each other. And the Bible says that God gave his creation, the, the man and the woman, and, and us as well as his creation, God gave his creation, parts of his image. Now, God did not give us all of his image, just parts of his image. There are some parts of the image of God that God saved just for himself, just for him. Uh, he did not transfer all of the parts of his image to his creation. Let me give you an example. Some of them he saved just for him. God is immutable. Now, that's just a big word to say that God is so perfect that God does not change, nor does he need to change. He did not give us that. He did not transfer that part of his image to us. God is also everywhere. He did not transfer that to us. God is spirit. He gave us a physical body that contains a spirit. But we are not everywhere like God is everywhere. We're one place at one time. God is beyond time. Since God created time, he's not bound by that which he's created. He's not bound by time. So he did not give us that aspect of his image. God is all-powerful, did not give that to us. God is all-knowing, did not give that to any of us except your eighth graders. God is uh, all-powerful, all-knowing. God is sovereign, which means He's the king of all. He's above all of his creation. He did not give that to us. But there are other aspects of who God is that he did give to us. He transferred some of his image to us. He created us in his image. Now these are just, let me give you a sample of the parts that he did transfer to us, the image of God. God is spiritual. He's a spiritual being. He gave us a, a, a spiritual life. God is relational. He gave that to us as well. God is good. Gave that to us. God is holy. Gave that to us. He's loving. He's faithful. He's truthful. He's wise. Gave all of that to us. He's gracious. He's merciful. And many, many, many more. God gave all of that to us. So, at creation, everything was perfect. Relationship between Adam and Eve and, and, and God, that was perfect. The relationship between Adam and Eve themselves, that was perfect. And they also perfectly reflected the image of God since they were made in his image. That's pretty awesome. They, they had a perfect relationship with grace and truth, God, with each other. And they reflected God's image in a perfect way. Now that's a big deal. When we say at Stuttgart Harvest Church that we are the perfect place for imperfect people, um, I just want to test to see if that's really true. Because since creation happened, 
and Adam and Eve, when they chose to blow it, then everything got messed up, everything got broken, and today still we are broken people. Adam and Eve, in the beginning, they were not broken. When it all got started, they reflected God's image perfectly, which means this. They had perfect relationships. They, had, um, they, had, uh, they were perfectly spiritual. That was an image of God's that he gave to them. They were perfect uh, relationally. They were perfectly good. They were perfectly holy and wise. They were perfectly loving and faithful and perfectly truthful. They were all of those things. Perfectly gracious, perfectly merciful because they reflected His image perfectly. But that perfection broke the moment they decided to choose their own path instead of God's. The moment they decided, I know what to do for my life more than God does, so I'm going to follow my way, not God's way. The moment they did that, the Bible calls that sin, and in that moment, creation broke. They lost their perfect relationship with God. They lost their perfect relationship with each other. They lost their perfect reflection of the image of God. So all of those things I just read, God's image that he had given them, all of that was lost in that moment that they decided to sin. Which leads us back to Stuttgart Harvest Church. That's where we are still today. Now I just want to do a quick survey. If you're our guest this morning, you're off the hook. You don't need to respond. You, don't have, you can, but you don't feel the pressure to respond to this. If you're part of us, I'm going to ask you to respond. How many, and I'm going to ask you to respond by raising your hand for just a moment. How many of you, because at Stuttgart Harvard Church, we say we are the perfect place for what? Yeah, and we are, aren't we? We are imperfect. So I'm going to ask you this question. How many, I'm going to see if this is really true about Stuttgart Harvard Church. How many of us have at some point in our lives felt very broken? Raise your hand if you have felt at some point in your life very broken. Keep, keep that up. And, and how many of you have felt at some point, at some time in your life, like you were drowning because of something you were facing in your life? And I'm going to say that is almost all of us. And so put your hands down. So I, I can say that that is true about us. At Stuttgart Harvest Church, we are the perfect place for imperfect people because we are broken. We are hurting, all at various stages, all at different times, but we've been there. If we're not there right now, we have been there. And there's probably some truth to say that there are things coming that we don't know about. It can happen. At creation, when creation broke, so did we. We broke too. Our reflection of the image of God for you and for me, that broke as well, just like it broke for Adam and Eve. It broke. And if you look at our problems, that your problems that you face, the problems that I face, if we look at those really closely, you know what we'll find? Most of those problems are in our lives because in one way or another, we are not reflecting the image of God in our lives. That's a, big, that's a big point. You should write that down, triple underline it, highlight it. 
most of the problems that we have in our lives are there. This is for me too, because we don't in some way in that area, we're not reflecting, not reflecting the image of God. But there's good news. There's good, good news. While this side of heaven, we will all have problems in some of those areas, if not all of those areas, intermittently over the course of our lives, there's good news. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 tells us there's hope if we continue. There's hope. Philippians 1, 6 says this, And I am certain that God who began a good work within you, let me pause here for just a moment. God began something, and he had to begin something because creation broke. And it began all the way back at creation. That very moment when Adam and Eve first sinned and everything broke, that's when God put his plan into action. And guess what? His plan was ready to go. Do you know why? Because he knew his creation that was perfect was getting ready to be broken. And he put it into practice in that moment, put it into action in that moment. His plan to fix broken relationships, our broken relationship to God, who is grace and truth. So our relationship with grace and truth, our God, he began to fix that in that moment. Our relationship with each other, he began to fix that in that moment. You know what else he began to fix? Our reflection of the image of God that was completely broken. He began to fix that in that moment at that time. That's when it began. So I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work. He's not done. He's still doing it. It's ongoing. Will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day that Christ Jesus returns. Which means that work in your life, it's never going to be done until, until your life is over. It's going to happen your whole life. And God is in the process of creating His reflection again of His image through your life. All those things that I read that I said, these are, this is the image of God that He's transferred to you. He's in the process of restoring that step by step, slowly, over the course of your life. But it doesn't happen all at once. It's not all of a sudden you decide to become a follower of Jesus and bam, you look like Jesus. Wow! He looks like Jesus. Nope, doesn't work that way. It's slowly over the course of your whole life, but he is in the process, if you were following him, of restoring his reflection, the reflection of his image in your life. That's a big deal. It takes time. We said last week that God bought us back. He bought us with his blood. He brought us back into a perfect combination, a relationship with, with him, his perfect combination of grace and truth. We said that last week. And his grace says to us, hey, 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 hey. He says, hey, Harley, listen, come to me just as you are, just like you are. You, you can't even clean up your own life, Harley. Come to me just as you are. That's his grace. And then his truth says to me, Harley, I love you too much to leave you the way I found you. I love you too much to leave you in your broken state, to leave you in that state of you drowning. I love you too much to leave you the way I found you. So that means we now have something to do. We have a response. 
If God's grace calls us and says, I'm going to, I'm calling you just as you are. Come to me just as you are. And if his truth says, but I love you too much to leave you the way you are. If that's true, then we have a response. Our response is this real churchy word, this real religious spiritual word. But it's a word, and we've got to use it. The word is repentance. And we're going we're gonna to break the mystery of that word this morning. That churchy religious word, here's what that really means. The word repentance means, in my life, I was headed this direction. My way, my decisions, living the life I wanted to, or I'm following someone or something, pursuing them or something. This is where I'm headed, though. And repentance means I realize this is not the life, this is not the path that God has for me. And so I turn from this path, and I begin to follow God and His path. That's repentance. It simply means to turn around. It simply means to change direction. I was going this way, but now I'm going to go that way. That's what repentance is. Now, we have a response. If God says, come to me just as you are, that's His grace. And His truth says, I love you too much to leave you in your broken state the way I found you. Then we have a response that says, okay, I was headed this way, God. But I'm going to turn and face your grace. I'm going to turn towards your truth. And I'm going this way. That's repentance. And every time I go this way, guess what happens? God begins to change me. And he changes you. That's called repentance. When we turn from our path to face God's path and follow him. Repentance is so very important. That's why we're talking about it today. It's so misunderstood. That's why we're talking about it today. Because it's so important that the Bible tells us and Jesus tells us we cannot be connected to God our Father without repentance. It's impossible. We cannot be connected to God without turning from our path to His, from turning from our way to His, from turning from what we've been serving to serving Him. We can't. We can't. It's impossible without repentance, without turning. That's why we're talking about today. It's so important. Jesus clarifies what this is all about. He tells us. See, Jesus had been explaining what repentance is to a group of people who were listening to him. And then he says this. Jesus says this in Luke 13. He says, and I tell you again, so, which means he's been telling them this over and over, and he's talking about repentance. He says, and I tell you again, that unless you repent, you will perish too. He says, unless you repent, you're going to live a life without me. You're going to live a life not connected to me. You're going to go into eternity separated from me unless you repent. So, okay, we could say, okay, Jesus, this is pretty important. This whole repentance thing, changing directions, turning around thing is really important to you. Jesus, I get that. This is very serious. Now, so that the people he was talking to really understood what he was saying and how important this was and how this looked and how it played out, Jesus goes on and tells them a story. And here's 
what he says. Um, it's in Luke chapter 13. And it's the very next verse after he just said, unless you repent, you'll perish. And the next verse, verse 6, he says this. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden, and he came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. Now, when he says again and again, he didn't come back the next day and the next day. He's talking about years. He came back a year later, no fruit. Came back a year later, no fruit. Came back a year later, no fruit. All right. Came back again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Verse 7, finally he said to his gardener, I have waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. In other words, the least amount of fruit that this tree could produce for me to say there is fruit would be one. And it hasn't even done that. Nada, zero, zilch, no fruit. He said not a single fig. Cut it down. It is just taking up space in the garden. All right, now let's break this down because this is huge. Jesus is talking about repentance. And now he's talking about fruit. Repentance, and to clarify what he means about repentance, he now talks about fruit. Jesus is saying that judgment, the kind of judgment that comes to someone who has rejected Jesus, this is what he's talking about, that kind of judgment comes to those who do not repent. That kind of judgment comes to those who do not change directions, those who do not turn around, those who do not recognize I'm going the wrong way, I'm going my way, I'm going their way, I'm going a lot of other people's way, but I'm not going his way. I need to stop and turn and follow him, follow his path, go this way. People who do not repent do not produce fruit. He said, and those people face judgment. This is big. This is huge, in fact. So many people just kind of brush by this. Jesus is saying, here is my creation, just like, just like the tree was part of the creation in this story. And Jesus says, you are my creation, and you are my creation, you and you, you are all my creation, and I am his creation. He says, you are my creation, this person, and this person, and this person. But if you really belong to me, if this creation, each one, has really repented, if that's really happened, there will be fruit in your life. Every time. If ten people repent, those ten people will have fruit in their life every single time. God is 100%. He's never missed a one. That's why this is a big deal. No fruit 
in your life means you're not really His. Which means you have never repented. It means you've never come to the place where you have changed directions. You may have thought about it. You may have talked about it. You may agree that it's a really good idea for me to stop going this way and start going His way, but you've never done it. Or there would be fruit. Usually when I teach, I take a passage and we focus on that passage for that day. This morning, this topic is so big and so powerful and I need you to believe the words that God has given us in His Scriptures. So much, because this is such a big topic, I'm going to pull from several places where Jesus, where God has given us the very same information over and over and over again. So, let's hit pause on this story that Jesus is telling, and let's listen to a couple of other instances where the same thing is said. The, as Jesus, as the ministry of Jesus was beginning, um, by God's plan, he kind of had it launched with his cousin, the cousin of Jesus, and his name, his nickname was called John the Baptizer. And John, uh, Jesus said about John, he said, there is no greater teacher, no greater prophet than this man. So, his words, we... we they're, they're important. And this is the cousin of Jesus. As the ministry of Jesus, his march, three-year march towards the cross was beginning. Listen to what John the baptizer had to say. And it's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. He said, prove by the way you live. He said, there's going to be some change. There's going to be some kind of fruit, some kind of action. He said, prove by the way you live, that you have repented. What does that mean? And he's saying, repented of your sins, which means I was going this way, my own way, following my plan, which is all sin. He said, prove by the way you live. Prove by the way you live, you have repented. Prove that you have repented from your sins. And what is repentance? going this way, and I say, oop, that's wrong. I'm going to go this way. So I turn and I follow God. And that's exactly what John says. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Repentance is not something where you just simply say, oh, that's a good idea. His way really is good. I need to think about it, but then never do it. He says, prove by the way you live, you have really repented. You have turned toward God. And you know what he said? Let's go back to the fruit. Two verses later, listen to what John says in this, in this message he's teaching these people. Verse 10, he said, even now the acts of God's judgment against two people who reject Jesus, reject his way, reject his path, and they stay on their own. He says, even now God's acts of judgment, the acts of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots. Now he's going to this same picture that Jesus was using to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. John, the baptizer, was saying this very same thing that Jesus taught. Repentance. This is huge. 
write this down, double underline it, text it to yourself. I'm not sure how you can remember it, but repentance, you turning from your way to God's way, is directly related, kill the spider, directly, (laughs) not going to let him near me on this tuffet. Repentance, sorry, I I got distracted. Repentance is directly related to what you choose to do next. Repentance is direct, your repentance is directly related to what you choose to do next. Your next action, your next words, your next thoughts that you dwell on. Repentance is directly related to that. Now, let's go further with this. You might remember one of the most famous teachings of Jesus where he talks, it's called the sower and the seed. Some, some people explain it as the parable of the soils. And the story is a, a sower, and Jesus made this story up to illustrate his point. He said, a sower goes out, someone planting seeds, and they broadcast the seeds by hand. They're throwing them out there, and the seeds fall on different types of soil. And, he's, and only one type of soil allows that seed to grow. Now listen to how Jesus just explains what all of that meant. We're just going to pick up with the explanation. Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Jesus says this. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the evil one come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. In other words, it happens immediately. The seed is, is sown, is thrown into the life of some people, and some people, the evil one, and you've seen this in, in the lives of some of your family and friends possibly, the evil one immediately comes in and snatches that away from them. And it's almost as if they had no hope. They had no, I mean, it's just immediate. The seed is there, and it's gone. They never respond. They reject Jesus. They reject his way, and they say, no, 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 no. I'm staying on this path. No repentance. He said some of it is immediate. He goes on. Um, Let's see. We're in verse uh, 13. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. Do Do not confuse receiving a message with joy with repentance it's not the same thing in other words they're on their path they receive it with joy let me keep reading Uh, they receive it with joy but since they don't have deep roots they believe for a while then they fall away when they face temptation listen do not confuse what he's talking about here receiving and believing with someone who has repented he's talking about someone who has who, they're on their own path, and they hear about Jesus, and they're like, you know, that's really good. I, that's great. You mean he died for the sins of the world? That's awesome. That's wonderful. I'm part of the world. He died for me? That's great. They received this. Like, yeah. And they mentally believe he did that for me too. Wow. But they never turn to follow Jesus. They stay on their path. They stay on their way. They don't repent. They don't turn. They don't follow. They were excited about it. They thought, hey, that sounds pretty good. It looked like they might do something in their life, but they never turned. They never followed. They stayed on their way, their path, my way. I'm going this way. Yeah, that sounded good, but I'm still going this way. Jesus said some are like that. 
Verse 14. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. Here's what happens. They're going their way. And they too, like the other person here, that sounds good. And they mentally say, yeah, that sounds like a good thing. I should do that. I should follow Jesus and love Jesus and pursue Jesus. But I, I, I got to go make some more money. Money, 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 money. I, I need to go pursue her or pursue him or do this or do that. I don't have time to. It's a good thing. I should. I really should. But I love this more than I love him. I love this path more than that path. I loved, I'm making a choice. I'm going to go this way. I'm not going to go that way. They did not repent. They didn't turn. Now listen to the last one. Verse 15. The seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word and they cling to it. They grab it. They take hold of it. Now, if you're going to take hold of it, what has to happen? You were holding this. I was holding this path, this life, these choices, this way, these people, those people. And if I'm going to cling to that, I have to let go and turn and cling to Jesus. What is that? Repentance. Changing direction. Turning around God they cling to it and then you know what they do it says they patiently produce a huge harvest it doesn't happen instantly it doesn't happen all at once that fruit doesn't just bing there it is I turned wow it was over the course of time they patiently produced Jesus said in this story, there is one way to tell. One way to tell who has really repented, really submitted their lives over to the care and the control of Jesus, their Creator. There's one way to really tell. And it's after some time. It takes some time. But the way to tell is there will be fruit. There will be a harvest in their lives. No wonder Jesus stresses real repentance, changing directions in life. No wonder he stresses that because the results, every time someone repents, given time, the result is always 100% of the time fruit in their life. No wonder. Because Jesus, when we turn, when we repent, when we change directions and cling to Him, He is in the process once again of beginning to reflect out of our lives the image, His image, His parts that He gave us. That's pretty spectacular.
Now, I want you to listen again to how Jesus describes this same thing. Matthew chapter 7 this time, verse 16. Jesus says, you can identify them. You can. Who's he talking about? Those who really are following Jesus. Those who have really repented and turned from their path to his path. He said, you really can tell who they are. You really can identify them by their fruit. And then in case, to make it even more clear, he says, here's what I mean by their fruit. He describes it. By the way they act, that's how you identify them. You really can identify who is following Jesus, who has repented, turned from their path to his path. You can tell by the way they act. Then he goes on to describe it further. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? No. Can you pick figs from thistles? No. He says a good tree produces good fruit every time. He says a bad tree produces uh, a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Never happens. He says so every tree. Now we go back. Listen to this. He's saying this over and over and over again. This picture. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. We hear that. Again, he says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. He's saying you can know who is really following me, who has really repented. Just look at the decisions they're making, what they're doing, what they're saying by their actions. He says, that's how. In other words, this is huge, don't miss it. A visible change must be seen over the course of time in the life of one who says they trust, they follow the Messiah. If there is no visible change, that person Jesus describes is like the fig tree that is judged. He said it's the type of judgment that is reserved for people who reject Jesus and say, no, I'm not going that way. I'm going to stay here, my path, my way, or I'm going to follow them, or I'm going to follow that, but it's not going to be you. He says, that's the kind of judgment because they have not repented. He says, you will be able to identify them and know them, those who are his, by the way they act. At Stuttgart Harvest Church, we have a core value. We have seven core values that we have grabbed onto, and one of those is called worship. And worship is not something that just happens when we come and we gather here in this building for a, a, a little, little over an hour on Sunday. It's... That's not what worship is. It's a part of worship, but that doesn't describe even a little bit of what worship is. It's just a small part. We teach at Stuttgart Harvest Church that worship is everything you do. It's a lifestyle. Now, it's not you walking through the street singing a song with a hymn book. Worshiping. That's not what I'm talking about. 
Worship is a lifestyle. It's the way you live. Your worship is everything you do, everything you say, everything you dwell on in your thoughts, everything you, you do and you say it's your actions, it's every decision that you make. All of those things, moment by moment, day by day, every single one of those moments is an opportunity for you in that decision to worship God with what you're going to do in that decision, what you're going to say, how you're going to live, what you're going to do, your actions. It's an opportunity to worship God in that moment, or it's an opportunity to worship yourself, to worship them, somebody else, to worship your past. It's a decision. Moment by moment, your worship happens all day long, every day, decision by decision, thought by thought, action by action. That's your worship. And that's what we say worship is. And we do that all day long, every day. And then, on Sundays, we come together as Stuttgart Harvest Church, and we come together and worship together on Sunday as we celebrate what God is doing and has been doing in our life to create change slowly over the course of time, over the course of last week. We come together and we celebrate that together as we worship our Messiah, our God, our Creator, who is changing us. That's what we say worship is. And we say that everyone who has repented, God is in the process of changing. It does not happen fast. It is not instant. It takes Time. But that time is not spent with you just waiting and twiddling your thumbs like, okay, God, I'm ready. I mean, I, I said I'd, I'm going your way. I did. Now it's time for you to change me. And we're not just twiddling our thumbs during the week saying, okay, God, change me when you're ready. But until you're ready, I'm going to keep headed this way. You just kind of tug on me when you're ready to go and you're ready to change me. But until then, I'm going this way and I'll see you in a little bit. Just grab me and let me know and we'll go. I'll turn that way when you're ready. No, it is not time spent waiting, that time is spent following. Every day, moment by moment, week by week, every Sunday, us taking steps of following Jesus. That's how we spend that time, following. Some of you may be thinking, you know, Harley, I was with you. I, I was with you as you got going on this, and I was, I was with you, but wait a minute. It sounds to me like you are saying that we earn our salvation, that we turn and earn, that we turn from what we were doing and we begin to work. We begin to follow you so that we can be saved. We begin to earn and do good things so that you will love us and save us, so that you will love us and give us a relationship with you, so that you will love us and forgive us of our sins. That we have to earn that, that we have to work really hard and do really good and have the right actions so that you will save us, be in a relationship with us, take away our sin. And I don't believe that, Harley. That's not what I believe. And I would say to you, well, I don't either. That is not what I believe, and that is not what I'm saying, and, and I don't want you to miss that. Very clearly, without exception, this is what I believe, what Paul wrote 
In Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 8, God saved you by His grace when you believed. Now, you've got to understand what that word believe means. Because clearly Jesus said, you cannot be connected to God if you don't repent. And some people say, well, I have read John 3.16. I know what it means to believe. It says, if you just believe, you can't read John 3.16 without reading John 3.17 and John 3.18 and 19 and 20 and on. You, you, you have to read it all because if you read it all, you understand that repentance is belief. Belief leads you to do something, not to think something. Belief leads you to turn and follow. It doesn't Belief is not popping your head up and saying, oh, that is a good idea, I really should do that, but I'm going to go this way. That's not belief. Belief leads you to do something. And here Paul says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. When you believed, you can't take credit for this. You know why you can't take credit for this? All you did was pop your head up and you changed directions. I was going that way, but now I'm going to go this way. That's all you did. You can't take credit for this. Salvation, uh, he said, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can, can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So there are some good things that are done. But notice, we can't do those good things if he has not changed us. So guess what that means? Those are his good things, not our good things. All we did was we noticed this is the wrong way. This is leading to destruction. This is leading to, to a mess, to 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 being separated from God. I notice that. And so I turn and I follow him. That's all I've done. He did all the changing. He's doing all the changing. He's the master creator, the master craftsman. We are his masterpiece. The painting does not paint itself. He's doing it. The tree does not grow the fruit. In this analogy, it's not growing the fruit. God is growing the fruit. All we do is turn and follow Him. We simply submit to Him. Give Him our lives. We submit our lives over to His care and His control. We were taking care of it. We say, I can't take care of it anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm broken. I'm drowning. I can't do it. And we follow Him. And He produces the fruit. It is His masterpiece. It is His work. It is not ours. You know what the fruit is in our life? Those good things that we do, the things that, those actions that's all been talking about. You know what that is? It is just proof. That's all. It's just proof that He is in us. It's not earning your place. It's just proof that He is there and He is at work. He's working in us. You know why He's working in us? Because we've repented and we belong to Him. And he's at work. No fruit in your life? No fruit in your life? 
you might need to see if you've ever really turned to follow him. You might need to see. Because Jesus is all about producing fruit in your life. And he's never missed. Every single person, every single soul who has ever repented, he has produced fruit in their lives. He's never missed. He's 100%. He's never missed. Now, as we end, let's go back to where we started. Let's go back to Luke chapter 13, where Jesus is telling the story of the fig tree to describe what repentance really is. Turning and following him. Verse 6 of Luke chapter 13. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and he came again and again to see if there was any fruit in it, on it. But he was always disappointed. Verse 7. Finally, he said, he said this to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been any fruit. Not a single fruit, he said. Not a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden, he said. That's harsh. Cut it down. And you hear what we're saying. The gardener, the, 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 it's there, it's, it's, it's there. But it's never repented, it's never turned. There is no fruit. Because 100% of the time, when somebody repents, there is fruit. Because God produces it. He's never missed. He said, this one... There's no fruit, which means it never repented. He said, cut it down, throw it in the fire. Verse 8, the gardener answered. Let's just say Jesus answered. Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year. And I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. But if not, then you can cut it down. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Give it one more year. Give them, give him, give her one more year. One more year to repent. Let's give this one another year. Let's give this one another year. Let's give this one another chance to respond, to lift their head and their life and say, this is wrong, I'm not going this way. I'm not pursuing my way, their way, that. I'm going to turn and pursue you, Jesus. Give them another chance to respond. You see, grace calls us. Jesus says, my grace says to you, come to me just as you are, just as you are. All the filth, all the mess, all the hurts, all the brokenness, all the drowning, come to me just as you are. And the truth of Jesus says, okay, I love you too much to leave you the way I found you, to leave you in your brokenness. That would be cruel. 
that would be horrible. He says, I love you too much to leave you drowning in this life. That would be unthinkable. I love you too much. So grace, come as you are. Plus truth, I love you too much to leave you like you are. Plus time. Jesus said, give them another chance. Give them some more time to respond. Give them some more time to repent. Plus time. Lift up our lives. And we turn from this direction and we follow Him. Time. And over the course of time of following Jesus, He will change you slowly, patiently over the course of time. But that's what happens every time somebody repents. Real repentance is turning your life around and following Jesus. And one step at a time as you follow Jesus, you are being changed by Jesus. Slowly. Jesus uses this parable to give us a picture of what all of this means about repentance. And he ends with this one saying, this is not something you just put on a list and you say, yeah, 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 that's good, Jesus. I should really do that someday and I probably will, but not right now. I'm going to keep following my way for now. No, 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 no. Jesus says, no. I've spoken on your behalf. I've said, give time. The time is short. The time to respond is right now. And you know why I know that? Because I don't know how much time you have. I don't know how much time I have. I don't know at what point Jesus looked at your life and said, give him another chance. Give her another chance to respond. I don't know when that was. I don't know if that was yesterday or last year. I have no idea. I can tell you this from my life. The day I responded to Jesus, I felt Jesus speak to my life and say, this is your last chance, Harley. I have given you and, and delayed and asked, and this is your last chance. Not that he was going to take me then, but I believe my heart would have been so cold after that point that I never would have responded to Jesus I don't know for you. I have no idea. But I know this. You have right now. You have now. The garden owner is saying, repent now or perish. That's what the garden owner is saying. The gardener is saying, God's grace is giving you another opportunity right now. You have right now. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. How can you know if you really, really are His and you belong to Him? How can you know that? Jesus told us how. You will know them by their fruit. And He clarified that. You will know them by what they do. God loves you and me too much to leave us broken. He loves us too much to leave us drowning. 
My friends at Cigar Harvest Church, we are asking you to come and worship with us. Worship with us all week long, day by day. Every decision we make, worship with us an opportunity. That decision, it's an opportunity to worship God. That that action, those words, it's an opportunity to worship God. Worship with us all day long, every day, and then join us. We're asking you to join us. You're here right now, this moment, and we're asking you to keep joining us. To worship together on Sunday. To worship our God who is creating change in our lives. He's doing it. All we're doing is simply turning and following Him. Will you do that? Last week, we asked you to do two things. Last week, we asked you, would you offer grace to the people around you in your life by simply saying, you know what? Everyone is welcome. Everyone can come to Stuttgart Harvest Church. Anyone, anyone can come. Your problems are not too big. You are not too bad. Anyone can come. And then we said, would you also offer them truth and say, God is changing me, and he can change you too. And this week we're asking something else. Today, if you have never never left your own path and decided to follow Jesus, you can make that decision. That's a one-time decision to say, I'm going to turn my life and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to repent. I've been following my way, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to turn. I'm going to follow you. If you've never done that, you can do that. His grace has said, give them another chance to respond. Maybe this is your day you have right now. And if that's what you're doing in your heart, you're simply saying, God, my path has led me here. My path, this has been my path. This has been my way. But I know I need to follow your way. You died on the cross for me and paid the price for my sin. I know that. And now I need to pick up my life and I need to go this way and take my life and give it to you. It is yours. You bought it on the cross with your blood when you died for me. I'm yours. I'm going to follow you. That's repentance. I'm going to turn. I was this way, I'm going to turn and follow you. You can do that right now. If that's what you're doing, I'm going to ask you, before you turn in your connection card, would you mark the back of your card that simply says, today I'm making Jesus the boss of my life. I'm choosing to follow him. Will you find that on the back of your connection card, and will you mark that before you turn it in? That's for you. Many of you have already done that. And here's what I'm asking all of us this week. Every single day, Will you worship God with us, choice by choice, decision by decision, every single day, allowing Him moment by moment to make changes in your life as you just simply follow Him, as you go this, as you turn and you go this way? Will you worship Him decision by decision, moment by moment, follow Him, allow Him to change you? Will you do that every day? And then I'm going to ask you this, every week, will you continue to join us at Stuttgart Harvest Church as we come together as a church. The church is not the building, it is you. As we, the people, the church, come together and we celebrate our God who died for us, who died for the sins of the world and is inviting all to come and all to follow him and he will change them if they will repent. He will change them from the inside out and we are celebrating him this hour together. Will you continue to do that? I'm going to take it a step further. Sometimes we get in the habit of just shopping around for a church. 
looking for a church that's going to be what we want. I'm just going to say, if you've been here more than three times, this probably is your church. And I'm going to ask you, if God is telling you to do this, will you drive a stake down with us? This imperfect people, this imperfect church who is doing their best to simply follow Jesus and allow Him to change us moment by moment, one day at a time, into His reflection. Will you drive a stake down and say, this is my church. These are my people. God is planting my life here. You did not come here probably because of what someone has said to you. And may you never leave because of what someone has said to you. Will you plant your life, your imperfect life, with our imperfect lives as we pursue a perfect Savior? Will you do that? God doesn't want to leave us how he found us. God doesn't want to leave us broken and drowning. How cruel would that be? What a horrible father that would be to leave us broken and drowning. Let him change you one day at a time, one step at a time as you follow him. Let's pray. Father, all of my relational problems in my own life can be traced back to the fact that I do not reflect your image the way I should. But thank you, God, for working so hard in my life. Thank you, because I can know for certain that you, who began a good work in me, will continue your work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God, it is you who produce the change, you who produce the fruit. I simply must turn my life around and follow you every day, moment by moment. And God, then may I join my church family as we celebrate together on Sundays what you have done and are doing in our lives. God, you have given grace, you have given truth. And now may I apply your grace and your truth to my life over the course of time and allow you to change me. We celebrate you right now. May we not be wandering through this life on our own path in a desperate situation. May we turn and pursue you. We celebrate you right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things.